Mic check, mic check. What is going on? Welcome into another episode of the KZ Community Beat. Tis I, your host, Ross Martinez, and in the hot seat this week, I had his wife last week, and today, the unofficial mayor of Peoria, as I like to call him, Greg Batten, the co-host of WMBD's morning show. Greg, what up, dog? What is up, my man? I feel like I should talk differently around you, because you're a cooler cat than me. <laughs> you, you, you are a cool cat, and I don't say things like, uh, uh, what's up, dog, to people really very much. No, but, but Occasionally, dress, I do. You dress nice. Thanks, man. Oh, can I tell you a story? Yeah. So uh, this last weekend from this recording was um, the Peoria's Soul Fest. Packed. My wife and I saw you there Mm -hmm. and have a great, we have two pictures with you. One, great. The second one, you look insane. I will send it to you. It is hilarious. (laughs) We look great. You look like somebody just shot you. It's really funny. It's really funny. So anyway, that's not the point. Post that one, please. I am at... at uh, that event, we it was packed. It was cool. It was a nice night and all that stuff. And this makes my heart good. I'm I'm not a young guy anymore, right? So uh, I I like to feel like I still look okay once in a while, at least with my clothing anyway. Two young guys came up to me at Soulfest and said, "Hey man, you're looking sharp." And that, made, that made my night, man. That made my night. I love that. I, I um through anxiety and depression of moving here by myself, I definitely yeah. gained about like a good sixty, seventy pounds. So I gotta get that belly down, Dude, brother. It's uh, I've been struggling with that my whole life. So I have been a big man since I was a little kid, and and so I go up and down, up and down, up and down. I have lost a hundred pounds at a time twice in my life. I lost once 100 pounds. Did you? Yeah, it's yeah. dramatic, isn't it? Like 160, then, I think it was. And then last year, I dropped 40, and then I gained a little back, so I'm on, I'm kind of bouncing back uh, around a little bit again. Uh, for folks who don't deal with that... It's a lot. So, dude, it's it's a lot on your mind. It's, Were you always a big kid? Yeah, always. Me too. Yeah. Uh, they used to call me... So, did I ever tell you the story of like the Husky Heartthrob, the Y'all I remember I you telling me when I first met you, when you first came to town a year or so ago, whatever it was. Uh, you said Husky Heartthrob, and I thought that was hilarious, but I don't really know the story behind it. What's the story? <laughs> so the the complete backstory is I used to be called Husky all the time as a kid, and yeah. I hated it. <laughs> I absolutely hated being called Husky, or that's the Husky section. You remember yeah, back yeah. Then? I, well, for sure, I remember having to buy Husky section pants. Yeah. Like so in Chicago, there used to be a place, um, oh, I forgot for school clothes, but it, they would label it the Husky section. Yeah. And I remember just feeling as a big kid, I'm like, man, this is asinine. Like, <laughs> I have to go shop. I give you money and you're going to call me Husky. Yeah. So then fast forward until like 20, maybe 2017 when I was working in Chicago. I was at WJMK and one of my friends, Tony, overnight, we were overnight board ops, position that probably doesn't even exist in radio anymore, except in big markets. Uh, he just kept calling me Husky. And I was getting annoyed. I'm like, yo, Tony, I'm a kick in the shin. Like, stop it. He's like, no, no, no. Come out to this wrestling company called Freelance Wrestling. It was every first Friday of the month. An amazing show. I think they're still running. Some of the greatest pro wrestlers kind of have come out of freelance wrestling. Um, And I remember just going, and there's this one dude, music hit. It was like porn music, like, and this big dude in a hamburger leotard comes out, pours baby oil on himself, rips his (laughs) shirt open, and there's a big husky heart. And they announce him as the husky heartthrob. And my dude Tony next to me is losing it. 
And I'm like, is this why you call me Husky? He's like, yes, that's your new nickname. And since that day, it's brought me money. That's a good one, man. That's a good story. So if if the real Husky Heartthrob ever finds me and wants to put a legal pattern on, I have to change brands. It's him. I'll be the first one to say it. But with the podcast here, man, uh, it's loosely been based off the Human Library, a concept that I fell in love with years ago where I feel like conversation is a lost art form. Getting down, sitting down. Yeah. Getting to know the nooks and crannies of someone's trials, tribulations, things you've been through. And yeah. somebody that, for a lot of people in town, Greg Batten is one of those names that just carries it, rings throughout the community. Well, that's nice. Have you heard that? Hmm. Are you aware of that? Or do you like keep it in check by not succumbing Here, to pressure? Here's um, how I think about all of that. I have been in this business, of the radio business, uh, since 1987. So 36 years, whatever that's been. I have worked really hard to be um, a professional as far as how I do what I do. Talk radio is a little different than music radio. I don't. I, if, you, if you made me come on KZ and do music radio, I would falter because I don't know really how to do it. I think you'd be I could figure it out maybe. Eventually. Yeah. But, but my point is, it's not. that's not my wheelhouse. My wheelhouse is telling stories and talk radio. And so I'm not unaware that a lot of people listen to the Greg and Dan show on WMBD. I'm not aware that just by the fact that I've been doing this for so darn long, and Dan and I have been doing our show for 18 years, that... 18 we, has a morning show together. Has a morning show together. It's a long time in, in our business, right? Yeah. And so um, I'm, I'm aware that there's an impact out there. I also try not to put too much into that to the point where my ego gets influenced by it it's a, it's a weird balance because here's the thing it's a fine line you have to have an ego to open a microphone you have to have an ego to play a musical instrument instrument in front of people to sing in front of you you have to or you can't do it you have to have something that allows you to do that so you have to have some of that chutzpah and confidence right at the same time especially in a city in a market the size of Peoria, illinois while we may be quote unquote a celebrity in some way or another, I'm so uncomfortable with that word. Being yeah. with but I think we're a blue collar celebrity, and what I mean by that is a celebrity in my world that I live in 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 my head is a person that I if I saw them on the street, I'm like, wow, that's an unusual thing to see um, uh, George Clooney uh, walking down the street. That's <laughs> yeah, a celebrity, Matt, right? Yeah. We're a small place. We're you and I are workers. Uh, this is this is a fun job being on the radio. It's show business. I believe that, but it's also uh, a middle class working job. We we go to work just as hard as the guy that's doing the mm-hmm. factory work, the insurance work, the doctor, all of that stuff. And and so we're blue collar. Uh, we're we're not rich. We're not. Uh, above anybody, or any, <laughs> and, yeah, and I'm not saying that I don't want all of that uh, with it, but I also understand that we're we're in an interesting spot. So the real long answer to your question is, uh, I am aware that I can use now my experience, years, and maybe my name to uh, do some stuff. Because right? the few times I've seen you and your wife out in public, right? Yeah. I've seen people, Craig, how's it going? Avon, how's it going? Both yeah. of you, well-known in the community. Yes. And 
it's interesting because the last few weeks I've been getting that. And it's cool, man. It is. It's interesting because somebody will come up to me like, how's Rocky? I'm like, do I know you? And I forget what I do for a living yeah, where yeah, I broadcast. Yeah. I, uh, like a running stick of mine is I'm going to go find a wife at the dog park. That's <laughs> one of my running bits throughout my shows. So people come up and ask me, did you find a girlfriend yet? I'm like, why are you asking, dude? Like, I get oh, enough I of this from my that. mom. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell you this. I, I, Dan and I take a little bit of a different approach. Dan, my radio partner, Danny. Um, Dan Diorio, good and, man. And and that is, Danny's a little closer to the vest with his personal stuff. That's just his personality, right? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty much, everything you hear, uh, if I saw you in the hallway, I'd tell that same story on the radio. I don't, keep, I don't keep back too much. I talk about my kids a lot. I talk about my wife, Yvonne, a lot. I talk about my growing up a lot. I grew up in Pekin, so I have a lot of friends I know around here from not the radio i'm just this is my home right mm-hmm. and so uh so my kids get it all the time They're like hey i heard your dad talking about you got an a on your test whatever it was you know and then they roll their eyes They're like oh my god and all four of them i have four kids and all four of them have been around in my radio life enough to know that there's a lot of people that know all about them was yeah. there like a, a balance you had to find with that where you just like hey i'm open book Nah, i i well, I'll say this. Yeah, I did have to find a balance. It took me many years to be authentic on the radio. In my early days, yeah. I was thinking about it too much. You, you get in front of a microphone and you think, oh, my, I'm in front of a microphone. And you and you know this when you sometimes will interview a person who is not used to doing this. You can see it happen to them. They'll They're turn like, a little oh, charm yeah, on yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. Something's happening that's not really you. That's not really you. Uh, I don't know when it happened, 15 years ago, maybe, or some, maybe before I got with Danny, but I just all of a sudden realized that the voice that was coming out of me in the studio is the same dang guy that you'd see at the grocery store or have a beer with, and, and that's it. Uh, I'm goofy. I have My brain thinks in a weird way sometimes, <laughs> and, and, and um, I, I hope that the biggest thing that comes away from that exposure of my soul is that i want to do good i and what i mean by that is i want good things to happen in the world around me my friends you my wife and my community and if i can facilitate that good all the better and so that that's my that's all i want that's all i want i just want to have an impact some way it's an interesting point of going from uh, the term they used to use in chicago i don't know if they use it down here but being green yeah. Is that the term that yeah, you guys green. use? When you're being green. green. Yeah, when you're new. It took me a long time yeah. to find that. I think uh, right before COVID hit is when I finally found really? the grooving. But it wasn't until out here where yeah. I'm like solidified into, oh, this is Ross. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do, in my opinion, with who surrounds you. Hmm. Like, you know, we work here in a company, you and I, we share the same company. We don't share the same radio station, obviously. But there's seven radio stations on this floor of this 12th floor of this building we work in. Literally, we're all doing shows competing against each other. At the same time, we all are watching out for each other. I really feel that here. I don't think anybody's out to get me. I think people, if I needed some help, I, you'd help me. There's, oh, well, I could, everybody in this building would help me if mm-hmm. I needed something. That helps you relax. And when you can relax, then you can not be green. Because you're you, when you're you green, don't have you, your guard you're worried. Up. Yeah, your guards up. You don't, you don't know who to trust. I think it's a little easier sometimes in smaller markets like Peoria than it is in Chicago. A little bit more of a cutthroat in bigger cities because there's more money at stake. Mm-hmm. You know? 
I mean, I was a weekend talent trying to scrape by, get anything. Right. Well, hey, you want to do overnight? Okay, cool. Yeah. But like you're you're scraping by to get that yeah. little five minutes, or yeah. you know, as I like to call it. And what was the turning point where you f- didn't feel green anymore? Like, do you remember that? Uh, I don't remember a moment. Just remember. it was all. I, I will tell you this: this is a kind of an inside radio thing for a second, but I think people who listen to music with a headphone or something will appreciate this. I when I was this is back in the '90s at some point. I was I was working here at WMBD or at WMBD, not here, and I would always listen to myself with headphones over both ears. You know that's not uncommon. People do that. Yeah. Do you do that by the way. Put the cans yeah. on yeah, both. Yeah. yeah. My boss at the time was a guy named Rob. He's still a good friend of mine. And he goes, I don't understand something. He said, the guy that's sitting over there at that desk is a lot better at being a personality than the guy on the radio. He goes, I want you to try something. Take one of the ears off of your headphones and only listen in one ear. And I said, what are you, th- what are you thinking about? He says, I think what it is is you're hearing yourself, and you've got a big voice already, you're hearing yourself amplified so much that you're in your head. You're going, oh, I'm a radio guy, right? He goes, oh, take the, the ear voice. off on one side, and now you're going to hear yourself like you're talking to me in the in the office. Because that, like, that's how you hear. You hear up through your jawbone, right? Mm-hmm. And for, I think that was like 1992 maybe. So since then, I have always done that. Taken one, I only listened to the show in my left ear. Now, I will tell you something that happened about four weeks ago. Through a series of weird events, I didn't have my air. I I use little buds usually, and I didn't have them. And so one morning, I had by by necessity, I had to use headphones. And it was uncomfortable to use um, just one ear on the headphones. Real easy to do it with a bud. But it was uncomfortable on my neck, so I just put both of them on for the first time in 30 years. And I'm not going back. I, all of I a sudden, sound. I, I, I was able to hear myself in a bigger way without responding to it like a green guy did back 30 years before. And now it actually slowed me down. I, I, I am better in the last three weeks than I was a year ago, I believe, because of both cans on. So what, what's the feeling? You just feel more in the moment? Mm-hmm. I feel closer to myself. Oh, that's interesting because I got. And I'm I not can't. distracted by the room. Now, I, I, in our show, I'm kind of the driver of the show. I'm running the board. The I'm the commercials. We like to call them A-Mike, the right? A-Mike. And, and then there's Dan and our producer, Caleb. And then there's lots of guests. Well, there's lots of activity coming through the room while I'm doing other things. With one ear on, I'm all, I'm hearing all of that. And in some way, responding mm-hmm. to it, or at least subconsciously responding to it, or at least engaging in it, put both cans on. I don't hear any of it. I'm more in the moment. I tell you, I do. I don't think I could do this version of radio on a KZ with one can on, one can off. Mm-hmm. Because when I'm in the moment, there's a little light switch. There, There is a... Um, the Ross you see now, the one that sits in front of you, the one that you and your wife have come across multiple times out in public, is the same Ross on the radio. Just turned up just a little bit. Yeah, just a little louder. A little yeah. bit louder. Yeah. But when I put both cans on, I feel like I just enter a... Um, you remember For Love of the Game, the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like... Uh, uh, 
was it engage the mechanism or something like no, that? I don't know. I there there was that. a saying he yeah, said where yeah. he's engage the mechanism where yeah. he would just turn on everything turn out on. and yeah. he'd just be tunnel yeah. vision. Yeah. When I put the cans on, I feel like I'm in the moment. Uh, that's interesting, yeah. Well, and we all find that spot. Dan and I chuckle all the time, and my wife will attest to this too. If Dan and I are together anywhere, we're doing the show. You just on. We're just, we're, we don't even turn it on. It's just that's who we are together. We like telling each other stories. We like making each other laugh. We like get, telling each other something that the other guy didn't know. Oh, I love doing that. Hey, Dan, and uh, like drop a bomb on him. You like something. popping him real Yeah, quick. I love doing that. Yeah. And so, so, so I don't ever feel un versus off necessarily in the world because I'm a story guy anyway. I like talking. I do when my door to my house closes. Yeah, you my, go off a little bit. I I turn the personality completely off. Yeah. And I just, I'm, I'm enjoying the silence. I'm with my dog. But anytime I'm out of the house, I'm on. Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't matter where I am; it just naturally yeah. just takes over. Like I can't. I remember being a six-year-old kid, and I would walk in the room. Everybody, pay attention! <laughs> and then I would do something well, stupid and embarrassing. Dude, uh, let's face it: uh, <laughs> most of us in this kind of business um, and, and other related performance businesses, we grew up trying to get somebody to look at us. We, yeah, that's, I did. I did. I, I, um, I didn't embrace it fully until i was in my 20s but i can remember as a little kid doing stuff my brother my big brother danny was a good uh motivator for me he's seven years older than me and he and i would do little skits for my mom and dad's parents and things like that you know? <laughs> i do I that remember, too yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you the youngest in your family i'm the middle you're the middle uh so i got the younger yeah, i do brother. have the younger i we do have the youngest uh a theory around here huh. there's a lot of us that are the youngest see the youngest Tends to be one that needs to get some attention. It's interesting because the middle child from my world has always been the one that, hey, look at me. Yeah. I got something to tell you. <laughs> and even like my my uh, my the middle child niece, my niece is the middle same child. Way. Same way. She'll walk in a room. Everybody doesn't say nothing, but just wants the attention and then goes and does her own thing. I'm like, she's a knockoff the whole block. <laughs> That's right. No, I have an older sister who's nine, ten years older than me, Maggie, and then my younger brother, Bobby, who's two years old, younger than me. He's a lawyer. She's a teacher about to be a principal, I think, or nice. she has the... Yeah, so I'm theory. the only one that's like completely renegated from the family where yeah. I'm like, I'm going creative. <laughs> yeah, I am too. I'm the only creative. Yeah, It's interesting. Like someone's got to do it out the family. I think so. I think so. Now I've created a family of creatives, which is interesting. You know, my son, David, he's in the He does the business. sound and all that. And my yeah. wife is a creative. My daughter, uh, Ginger, is a, a graphics design person, graphic arts person. Ah. My son, Justice, my youngest, who's a senior in high school, he's got the creative in him. He hasn't quite found his outlet yet. He's, he's It's in there for sure. So uh, at what point made you accept the, like, this is who I am? Um. Mm-hmm. I was 16 years old. I was in high school at Pekin Community High School. I was a writer. I wrote for the newspaper and the yearbook, and writing was always a big deal to me. I thought I would be a writer, to be honest with you. Hmm. And my teacher was a lady named Betty Bauer. And Betty Bauer, in a very casual way, this wasn't sit down for a career advice day, she said, hey, Greg, you ever think about being on the radio or TV or something when you get out of high school? And what she didn't know was she just sent a lightning bolt to my heart because I had thought about the radio since I was a little boy. I loved everything about it. Didn't know how to do it. Didn't didn't even and, and was too embarrassed, Ross, to ever say it out loud. 
Why? Because it felt dumb. I was like, I was like saying, I want to be an astronaut, you know, or uh, I want to be a something juggler. that seemed out it of just reach. seemed weird. I, nobody in my family did those things. We were all worker bees. We didn't, we didn't do plays or sing songs hmm. or any of that stuff. So uh, I sat on that. I was. She didn't know that she really affirmed my dream. That's what she did. In that but moment. I sat on that for eleven more years. I went to college. I got a degree in political science. I was going to be an attorney. I decided not to do that. And I came back to this area, central Illinois, went to work for my father who had his own business. I stayed with him for a few years and I was 28 years old, married with two little kids. And I was in the quad cities. I was reading the newspaper, something that people uh, don't look at anymore. It's the classified <laughs> ads in the back of a newspaper. And there in the classified ads was an ad for a part-time radio guy at a radio station here in Peoria. And I couldn't stand the noise in my head anymore that said, you have to try. Because if you don't try and you get to be 50 years old, you're, you're going to regret not trying. Maybe it won't work out. And so I called the guy from the pay phone in the Quad Cities in the park. I can tell you where the pay phone was. <laughs> I said, "Here's my this is my name. Um, I don't have any experience. I don't even really know what I'm talking about, to be honest with you. I'm answering the ad. This guy's name is Steve Young. He says, Steve well, Young. you only need three things. Why do I know that name? Well, uh, he's not the one that used to be the quarterback for the 49ers, uh, but he is the same name. Uh, that's who you're thinking of. <laughs> the uh, guy, he said, you need three things. He goes, you have to sound okay. You got a good voice. That sounds good. He goes, you got to want to do it. Obviously, you do. You wouldn't have called me. And then you got to have somebody show you how to do it. He goes, I'll do that. Can you meet me in the next couple of days? So I met him. And about two weeks later, I was doing midnight Saturday night to 6 a.m. Sunday morning, running an automated show, doing the weather and stuff like that. I, I, when I went for the interview, first time I'd ever been in a radio station, I, I didn't know anything. Steve was kind enough and probably desperate enough to find somebody that he could trust to be overnight. I was a little trustworthy. I was older than somebody who was 17, right? And I wasn't drunk all the time. So and you were I, hungry. You and were I was hungry, hungry for it. And he was... saw that in me. And I will be forever grateful for that chance. And from there, things, you know, there's a big, big, long trajectory after that. But that's when I finally admitted that I wanted to do it. And it didn't take me long to realize, oh, yeah, I want, I want more of that. Can I tell you a sidebar story? Yeah. Yesterday, yesterday, I got a Facebook messenger from Steve Young. I haven't talked to Steve, and I haven't seen him in years. I haven't talked to him in years. And he said, Hey, Greg, can you do me a favor? I got something coming up uh, in the area that I need to get get some attention on. And you got a big listenership at Greg and Dan's show. Could I come on the show? He could have said anything, and I would have said yes. Because yeah. I owe him. I, I absolutely owe him. And I've, I have taken a page out of his book as many times as I can when younger people ask me for advice about being in the radio business or in show business or performance of some kind. I always try to help. You because did. Steve helped me, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing any of this without, if he hadn't helped me. That's interesting. And that was uh, that's thirty. I don't know. We're working on forty years. Eighty seven. Eighty seven. So it's interesting because the more I get to know you, the more I draw a lot of parallels from my journey. Really? I was, I, I was doing journalism in college because ah, I wanted to be uh, Superman. Clark Kent was yeah, like my oh, biggest yeah, inspiration yeah, growing yeah, up. I'm like, yeah. I would love to be a journalist and expose stories yeah, sure, and yeah, all yeah, this. Yeah. And then quickly realized it took a lot of writing. So I was like, eh, maybe not. 
But I remember visiting the radio station, and my cousin knew the GM at uh, Lewis University, WLRA, the start. That's ironically where I got my start. Right. She let me do the weather, and I had the bug. And I kept going. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until 2014 where I reached out to the promotions director. Uh, what was his name? Chris. Chris something. He's he's going to hit me for not knowing his name. But he tossed me to Kelsey Danka, who was the manager at the time. Her brother's name was Ross. And I sat down and interviewed. She's like, my brother's name is Ross. You're Ross. You're also Latino. Why do you have that name? Because it's on Friends. <laughs> and I'm like, Kelsey, to be honest, like the story is my dad's name is Rosalio, R-O-S-A-L-I-O. He split, he took the A out, put an S, and split it across. My name's Ross Leo. Then she hired me on the spot as a promo intern. And then I did overnights. That's great. And they were desperate enough that they needed somebody young, hungry, and dumb to take yeah. all the hours. Yeah. And I was like, give me everything. I worked holidays, weekends, double chips, it didn't matter. Like, when you want something that bad, I feel like you'll go through anything. I absolutely will. And and it's great advice to anybody in any job, really. I mean, it's not just this job. Uh, is It's not a bad thing when you're new and young and green, as you mentioned earlier, to find a radio station or a company or whatever that might be in a little bit of chaos. You know what I mean? You'll learn because, a lot of chaos. Well, but there's opportunity in chaos. <laughs> yeah. Because if you are if you got your act together, if you're responsible even a little bit, you're going to shine. You might shine out of that place, right? You're going to shine and go, all right, now I got to go. And that's what happened to me. The place I started at, I didn't stay very long because I saw some other things going on from the business part of it that I didn't think I wanted to be part of. And that's okay. That's all right. Yeah. No, no, no judgment necessarily. I just didn't want to be part of it. Uh, but I really think that's true of of a lot of opportunities. A lot of opportunities don't come from the perfect job. They come actually from a crappy job. And then you find your way through to the next place. I mean, yeah. Um, there's blessing and redirections. Yeah. In chaos, there's always a silver lining somewhere. Um, do you remember a point where in your growing up, in your young, young childhood, where someone had that much of an impact on your creativeness, where they embraced it to a point where you just kept pouring into it? Well, I'm going to take you back to school again. Hmm. First grade. My first grade teacher was Mrs. Shriver. S-H-R-I-V-E-R. C.B. Smith Grade School, Pekin, Illinois. Hello. And I was prolific at writing fantasy stories. Creative, crazy, made-up stories. At first grade? Yes. To the point, my mom pulled, my teacher pulled my mom aside one day and said, this kid has got something wild going on and you need to help him write as much as you possibly can because he's going to be a writer. Oh. And, and she told me, and I never let that go. I mean, to have somebody of authority, just like Mrs. Bauer told me I should be on the radio, if somebody that I love and respect then gives me some juice like that. Some validation. Yeah, some validation. I will, I will go to the mat, man. Same. I will, I will go to the mat. And so... I have now I'm not I'm not a first grader anymore. I haven't written in a long, long time in the way that I was doing back then. But it consumed me for a long, long time. And I think it helped me be a better storyteller because I was telling stories on paper. And I now I tell stories with my mouth and my voice. I don't necessarily write them down very often. 
Yeah, yeah, that is also an interesting point because I've listened to your show a few times when I first transitioned in. Uh, now I sleep in the morning. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Um, but even in passing, when I hear you talk to people, those stories just seem very organic, natural. Like you're just entertaining. You're just you. It doesn't yeah. seem there's some individuals you can see that have things you know navigated out. But I don't get that sense from you. I no. sense that you're just very boom. I like telling stories because I think it's uh, uh, it's just entertaining to me. I, I'm entertained by telling stories. I hope I never am that guy that people go, thank God he left. Because <laughs> I, if he told me one more story, I was going to kill myself. Uh, I, I hope I never do that. Sometimes I realize I get a little carried away. Uh, if I've had a couple oh. cocktails, I, I can go. See, that's the individual I got to meet there. I have not (laughs) met that one yet. Uh, You know, they say every creative person has some type of, like for me, it's anxiety. mm -hmm. I overthink, did I leave that interaction with a good taste for them? Mm -hmm. Or was I extremely authentic? Do you have that at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, my overriding demon that I deal with, and that I have dealt with ever since I was a kid, long before I was in radio, is the question, or the feeling rather, the feeling that I'm not good enough. Same. I'm, I'm not good enough as a husband. I'm not good enough as a dad. I'm not good enough as your friend. I'm not good enough on the radio. I'm not good enough as a human being on this planet. I constantly, it is my overriding like voice in my head all the time. So when I come off a radio show, as I did just a few minutes ago before we sat down, I think about that show. And was that good? Was that good enough? Was that good enough? And I'll, I mean, this is a sidebar to that, but I have been striving all these years in radio to do the perfect show. That does not exist. Every day I sit down thinking, today's the day. And every day I leave the show going, <laughs> it was not today. It was not today. Some days, dude, some days, I, it, this happened just a couple days ago. Some days I think, I'm not sure I know how to do this. I oh. am messing up everything. Still? Right? Well, yeah. Oh, that happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I, and here's the the thing I have learned, if I can have any wisdom at all, is that to me, the distance between good and bad is this much, and I'm holding my hands a foot apart, right? To the listener, good and bad for you is like a millimeter apart. They are not paying as close attention as I am. I know what I screwed up, but the listener doesn't know. Listener listens to us. And a little bit different for talk because they are my listening a little tighter. But for the most part, it's, you know, it's over there. Hey, Ross is talking about he's uh, looking for a wife at the dog park. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, and, but, but they're not going, oh, he, he missed time to that break. No, nobody's doing that. Or like, Nobody. He hit the ramp. Yeah, oh, oh, he yeah. hit it. He, he, yeah, yeah, he hit, yeah, nobody he knows. No, and they don't, if they do know, don't care. Damn. And so, so uh, I, I realize intellectually that that's all true psychologically, uh, in my heart, all the things that are any of us that are humans have some thing that we deal with. That's my big one. My big one is that I don't think. Have you ever addressed where that stems from? Oh, I'm sure it comes from my dad. <laughs> my, dad was a, my, 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 my dad was a hard driver. Uh, good guy. I, I mean, yeah. I loved him. We had a good relationship. But he was a self-made success, uh, not a book smart guy, just a hard-working salesman kind of guy. And... He also never thought he was good enough. He hmm. never thought he was good enough. And I think I just picked up that vibe from him. He didn't tell me I wasn't good enough. I picked up that he didn't think he was good enough. And I looked at him as a hero because he came from zero, like zero, zero, to success uh, on his own. He did hmm. 
all of it on his own. And I, I am so in admiration of, of what he accomplished. But I know, especially I spent the last few years with him a lot before he passed away, that he didn't feel like he deserved any of it. Really? Yeah, yeah. Even after everything yeah, he earned, yeah. he still didn't. Yeah, yeah. It's that ounce of humility. And, and yeah, I think it's a part of humility. I also think, and this you could just go crazy on, I don't know what kind of man uh, you are in the world of faith and religion and things like Catholic. that. Catholic. I grew up Catholic, too, because of my mother. My yeah. father did not <laughs> so, like the Catholic Church. My really? father did not go to church. My father wasn't much of a religious man at all, never talked about it. Um, and I often thought, especially as I watched him in his last couple of years, that that was the part that was missing in him, is that he didn't feel good enough because he didn't have a relationship with a higher power. See, my best friend tells me all the time that my source of my anxiety is I haven't completely let go and completely trusted God again. Yeah, I'm with you on that, and I'm, uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm starting to realize. No, it. I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to massage it myself. You know what I mean? I'm still trying to control it. You can't control it. And that's where people tell me all the time. To stop I know. Trying to control. Well, tell those people stop telling you that because they're trying to control you too. <laughs> and tell them I said so because hey, it's said hard. It. it is hard to let go. It is hard to let go. My wife is very good at seeing in me. I mean, we've been together for thirty years, and and. She sees this all the time, and she's my sounding board, my coach, my advice giver. Sometimes, sometimes it just happened several days ago. Hmm. I said, "Will you just put your hand on my shoulder?" Because sometimes I just need to to feel that. Oh, you're a physical touch person. Oh, oh, I'm a big physical touch person. Hmm. Uh, and, and she can call. I was feeling anxiety, and and to have her hand on my shoulder, we were just watching TV or something, um, calms me down. In that moment, for yeah. me, I have to talk to somebody. I need to hear really? words. Yeah. Um, it's been, from this recording, maybe like two, three weeks since I had bad anxiety. Yeah. For me, the world the world starts in closing. Yeah. And my thoughts start expanding. And then I'll oh, start yeah. feeling like yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, like the little yeah. tingly. And the, the thoughts expanding thing, it, I can identify you know, exactly <laughs> what that is. And that's what was happening the day I asked her to put her hand on my shoulder. I felt the thoughts just going out like a. Like a weird movie, like a, yeah, it goes and it go, and you start bouncing around all the stuff in your head, stuff that you're not doing right, stuff you wish you were doing different, stuff that you had to do, stuff that you wish you could do. All those things go, and that is something that you got to keep an eye on, man. Like, I, for me, music is my outlet. Really? I'll put on uh, Sam Cooke, "Change Is Gonna Come," and that brings me down to zero, and and it helps me to just kind of be in the moment. Where I look at my dog and I start rubbing him like, hey, pay attention to me. <laughs> your dog looks like a good dude. Oh, What is your dog's a, name again? Rocky? Rocky? My boy I just Rocky. saw Rocky the other day. And uh, he looks like uh, a good guy to talk to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's super lazy. Yeah. Nine, like nine in the morning, he wants to be in bed. Really? Uh, he doesn't want to be out at all. Does he know how to use the remote? Can he uh, turn on the TV? <laughs> yeah, I think he's yeah. close to it. I got a pet cam <laughs> down there. I might try to get him. But it's like... The older you get, are you starting to find more devices to help with the anxiety? Because I think I'm in the point where now, like, well, I've addressed the anxiety. I kind of know where the root is. Now I'm trying to find out what works to quell well, it. I, here's, here's, here's the positive things that work, and here's the negative things that work. <laughs> positive things for me are exercise. I am a person that if I don't, and, and it doesn't have to be crazy. Although my wife is a trainer and all that stuff, I'm still a big guy and all that. 
my my favorite thing to do is to walk outside, outside walking, for three or four miles or something, hmm. gets me back to center. I listen to music while I'm doing it. Normally, sometimes I'm on the phone talking to my friends while I'm doing it. My sister's a close friend of mine. I talk to her. I getting in the sunshine is important to me. That's very important to me. And walking outside is important to me. I also, through the years, therapy has helped me a great deal. I go see a, not, I'm not doing it currently, but I was not long ago. Uh, just talking to somebody who's got a professional point of view about those kind of things. Negative things, alcohol. Hmm. I medicate myself sometimes away from it. When I get anxious, I go, like, hey, a glass of wine or two. It's not gonna... And that's, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't ever do that. I'm just saying that you got to be careful that you go down that path and then it's not really serving you. It's just a mask, right? You're not that's getting true. a part of it. My, and, and, uh... and religion is, I'm not a church-going guy. I grew up in the Catholic church, as I told you. I don't go to church very often. I believe that I am a Christian. I believe I am faithful. I believe that God is watching out for me and I don't talk to him enough directly. <laughs> and when I do, when I'm better at it, when I'm better at listening for signs that I matter in this weird world we live in, then I feel better. When I feel like, uh, when I feel disenfranchised is when I'm not listening. Oh, when you're in your own mindless yeah, yourself. Well, yeah, when I'm just inside myself going, what's the matter with me? Instead of going, how can I help somebody else? I mean, really, truly, my favorite thing in the world to do is to be a facilitator, a connector, uh, uh, to connect you with somebody I know. Hey, Ross tells me, uh, hey, Ross, Greg, do you know a plumber? Oh, yeah, I know a plumber. There's my friend Tom. Uh, that, that kind of stuff thrills me. I love it. And sometimes I'm not good at it. I'm not listening. I'm not listening for the opportunity to do that, and that's when I get in that spiral the other way. So like a people pleaser in the world. Oh, dude, huge people pleaser. Are Same. you kidding me? Let's, let's go back. I don't think I'm good enough. Yeah. So I'm constantly trying to prove that I'm good enough by pleasing you. Same. I am that guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because, you know, um, the minute I met you to now, you've been yeah. nothing but amazing. Like, I, oh, that's I, nice, man. It can't be a, a request I've asked you yet where you're yeah. like, oh, I'll come through with you for you. Yeah. Even if it's a week or two weeks or something, you always come through. And I, that Is sticks in my mind. related? Maybe, maybe. My I brother always thought. Mother. Well, here's the thing. I got <laughs> Do you have any uh, Crocell in your family? I don't know what that means. Is exactly it? not. <laughs> what is that? What is Crocell? Well, I, that's uh, your family name? Stepfather. That's your or, step no, that's my biological father. Oh. Never met him. Uh, white guy. Don't don't even know what he looks like. Okay. So if you have any Crozell in your family, no, I don't think so. But I've always felt an affinity uh, for things Latino. So ah, that's we it. might be brothers. That's <laughs> it. And my wife believes that in a previous life that she was Latino. So maybe I, I've so seen maybe. you dance. So like, I, no, yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not good at dancing. So <laughs> there's another one. Are you good enough at dancing? No, I'm not good enough. My wife loves to dance and it, it, it just breaks my heart that I'm not a better dancer. It's all about gumption, brother. No, I know. As long as you put a little something in. And it, then lately it. we were at Soul Fest again, mm -hmm. coming back around. We saw you and we were standing there and Joe was on stage doing his thing. And my wife was starting to dance a little bit. We were standing down by the stage. Well, about six weeks ago. I, I hurt my leg really, really bad. Yeah. And so I'm I'm really standing there in some fairly amount of pain. And my leg, my knee's kind of woggedy these days, wiggity, whatever. And I tried my best to, like, wiggle, but I couldn't really. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> it looked like I looked like I was just having, like, a seizure or something. Uh, it's not good. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Do it. Go. So you work with Dan for how many years? 18. 
And how how many years did you work with your wife? Ten. Who's the better co-host? They're completely different. How so? And, and uh, here's why. My wife and I did a show that was less fast. Our show now, the uh, the Greg and Dan show, is quick. Is by the format of the show. It is. We're 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 moving. We got to move pretty quick. We got to go from one thing to another quickly. And the audience here uh, in the mornings in Peoria is a short drive. The, the average commute is about 13 minutes, so you got to repeat things a lot, a lot of repeating things. My wife and I were, had the opportunity to do a more thoughtful show. We, we, we would get into more thoughtful things. Uh, obviously, oh, well, not obviously to maybe some of you, but my wife is black, I'm white. And so we had an issue right there immediately to talk about. They came up all the time. That's a, that's a yeah. reasonable thing to talk about in the world we live in. Especially so, now, that's a yeah, great yeah, oh, yeah, conversational yeah. piece. And, and so, you know, those kind of real moments. Dan and I, here's the funny thing. And this is a woman I spent every day, all day with, right? And, and so we had all of the knowledge of each other's stuff right there mm -hmm. in the radio station. I, even though I've known Danny 35 years, I don't know Danny that way. And in fact, people get freaked out when they hear this. Dan and I spent every morning together. And that's about it. We don't hang out. We don't go out to have beers. We don't play golf. We don't see each other socially. We don't. We have never. Part of it by design in that the show stays fresher. If we're not chatting, no, we'll see each other when we go like meet sales uh, uh, clients and things like that. Or there's a station event. But we don't hang out socially. So I don't have a social component with Andy Oreo. Or that it's a different intimacy. Yeah, it's a different intimacy. I, I, I think I have an intimacy with him. I, like, I know things about him, and yeah. he knows things about me. But uh, but with my wife, it was more personal. It's more personal. Cause, hmm. uh, and then I would also, uh, we, we got into something I didn't really like for a while. We got into it. She's very smart, as you well know. We got into a deal that, I, but she was never comfortable with being silly too much on the radio. She wanted to keep it pretty straight. She did some silly things, but she'd keep it pretty straight. I I don't have a problem with that at all. I like being funny. I started doing stand-up 10 years ago, as you all know. Mm. Um, I like that. I, I started carving myself an image of being dumb. She was the smart one, and I was the dumb one. Huh. And it started going down that path too far that I started getting mad about it. So she'd get asked, hey, Yvonne, do you want to be on our board of directors of blah, blah, blah? And no one ever asked me a dang thing about that. Because they assumed the they, character you they, played they, was they, who you yeah, were. Yeah, and I wasn't really, and again, that went back to the, circling back to being myself. I wasn't being myself. I was, I was trying to be good enough by being the foil to her brain. And in retrospect, that was kind of a mistake. It put me, it put me in a weird spot. What was your thought process in going into creating that lane at the moment? I, I don't never did it consciously. It just started happening. Huh. And I think it was my defense to her intellectual point of view or she's very thoughtful when she when she tells you what she thinks about a subject matter. She has really thought about it. I am a more spur of the moment, a gut guy. I'll give you my gut reaction to something in a, in a millisecond. But I wonder if that's more the people pleaser in you. Oh, yeah. That you're trying to. Yeah, I was trying to massage the situation. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. she's the one. Yeah, yeah, no, and absolutely. I'm here just. Yeah, yeah, huh. no, absolutely, 100%. And so. Um, you started growing. She's really then. good at it. Yeah. She's really good at it. We were great together, I thought, and I would love to do it again. Not No disrespect to my partner, Danny. 
I also think Dan and I have some weird chemistry it that works. I won't find anywhere else with another man like that. I may find a different chemistry with Yvonne if I do it again. But, yeah, it's I, I worry someday that, uh, all right, what if we have to find, what if Dan decides I'm going to, if he wants to retire and I don't, you know? I was like, uh Because you guys have do been that. doing it for a while. Yeah. But in radio, there's never really like a, you hit a retirement age. If you could talk, well, you here's Well, here's the, here's the thing that I don't want to do. I agree with that. I have told our bosses here, our, our Supreme Boss Mike is his name. I said, I don't want to go out like a punk. I don't want to be, I don't want to have the day happen where somebody calls me to the office and says, hey, dude, it's over. It's, it's just gotten audit. It's just gone. It's just gone south. I don't, I want to quit or retire or something or, or implode when it's, yeah, on my shield, when it, when it's still good, when it's still really good. That's what I want. I don't want to just have somebody tell me. Yeah, it's not been good for a couple of years. <laughs> we've just been we've been sad and we didn't want to tell you, and but now we have to tell you. I, I that would be the worst way to end this. Do you have? I'm trying to combine points of conversation now, but that that thirst or hunger for the perfect show. Do you have that before time runs out? Do you feel? No, I don't think about time running out. No, I, no, I I think. Today and this week and this month, everything's still pretty good. I'm, I I feel good about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the perfect show hasn't happened, but I still pr- feel pretty good about it. I just know how it is. Uh, I've seen it happen to other people uh, that you're cranking along, and then you get a little tired, and you don't put quite as much in it as you used to, and you don't prayer uh, you don't prep as much as you used. You don't want to phone it in. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to phone. Do you have a show to date that you feel is the closest to that perfect show? Not out of my head. I, I, I'm sure there's one out there. Some days I leave and think, oh, that was pretty good. Today was pretty good, actually. Yeah. Show we did a, I have to share this with you. This is something that, so we broadcast on the 12th floor of a building downtown Peoria, the Civic Center Plaza. And in our studio, there's a window right behind where I sit at my microphone. And I look. if you open that window, look down, there's an alley down there and there is a dumpster, right? Mm-hmm. Every time a new person comes to work for us, that is our producer, and our producer these days is Caleb. Uh, I always tell them on the first day this story. It's about going out like a punk. Sorry, I said, "Here's what I don't want to have happen," and I'm assigning you something. If I should like slump over the board, the console that runs this radio station, because I've died, I want you to roll me over to that window, <laughs> and you and Danny prop me up to the window set me on fire and shove my ass out that window <laughs> and hit the dumpster. And then, and then the story is going to be Greg spontaneously burst into flames and he saved all of our lives by diving out the window. You That's much better than dying of a heart attack on the console. I said, now here's the, here's the caveat to that. If on the way down, I wake up because the wind is hitting my face and I've just had a blood sugar problem. I am going to be seriously pissed off. <laughs> I told, I've told three producers that all three of them look at me like, like what, are you being serious what about this? What's the, this what is the, what is the matter with this guy? Here's me, yeah. Ross laughing yeah, at the yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I finally, no, I knew you'd this. get it. I knew yeah. you'd get it. Well, well, I love playing that joke on people. I love telling people that's true. Do you have, what are some like, 
I always like to ask people this. I know, yeah, no. I know, getting asked this as a professional is like, ugh, why ask me this? But do you have moments in your career that stand out? Really, like great interviews, great community moments, things that you've done where like you hang your hat on every day. Like, man, that was great. I got to do that, or that I was able to add a little something Greg Batten into that story, or that piece of broadcasting. Because I'll tell you, I I really enjoyed helping produce, light producing. It wasn't even that much of producing, but you and your wife's uh, return show when I had the chance oh, to. Oh, yeah, I forgot you did that, that, was that awesome. day. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. love working with you guys. A couple that years ago. Awesome. A couple years ago. I can't remember why that was happening. Danny was somewhere, and Yvonne uh, uh, came in to do the show. Oh, no, we were doing it for Craig Collins in yes. the afternoon. That's right. He took off. He was out of town, yeah. and we filled in together for the first time in years and years. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, there are a lot of stuff. Here, here's a couple of categories of things. One, off air, I do an incredible amount of MC and auctioneer work for charity. I love doing that, and I take a great pride in it because I love nothing more than the year I come for the first time making more money for that group than I did the, than they did the year before. That's a good feeling. Or the next year I make more money than I helped them make the year before. Because I think I'm pretty good at that auctioneering thing uh, because I'm. And low key. I'm not a fast talking auctioneer. I'm a funny auctioneer. Mm. Uh, and I, and I take a lot of pride in that. Those moments always make me happy. The moments on the air that have, uh, I could hang my hat on. I'm going to go uh, to an, a thing I used to do that I was very, very proud of. I used to do a bit called Greg's big black couch <laughs> in our studio. We have a, a love seat that is a black leather love seat. And it is always, I had this idea, this I haven't done for years, and I'll t tell you my frustration with it in a minute. But the concept, this was a video concept. When we would have, we used to do a lot of celebrities in the studio that would come through the comedy club circuit, and we'd have them in the studio. And I thought, you know what, I want, after the radio is over, I'm going to invite them to sit on that couch with me, and I'm going to do about a seven-minute interview. And... The, to me, what was funny is two guys, two men, sitting shoulder to shoulder <laughs> on a love seat and having to do this, like sideways conversation, is very awkward. It's not a big it's seat. It's extremely awkward. <laughs> it's not a big And seat. it would lead itself to some really funny things. And we had a ton of people. Um, um, Brian Posehn. Do you know who Brian Posehn is? Mm. Comedian, actor. He's one of my favorites. You can still go to gregsbigblackcouch.com and see some of them. Not all of them, unfortunately, are in there. Some of them got lost. But I probably did about 60 or 70 of them. And it was that's one of the, my best things I've ever done. And just because of the hilarity of it? Or did you get I, some really I, good stories? Both. both and, and that it was stepping out into something where it could go bad. Hmm. I, didn't every, I didn't know who these guys were really were. They didn't trust. They didn't know if they should trust me or not trust me, and they would sit down and I would just start talking. I would just. It wasn't. Sometimes I really didn't even have questions written down. I just went with the flow of who I just came off the radio with, and we'd start talking about stuff. And I will tell you, there have been some really great moments. You know, who David Allen Greer is. Yes, he was in the studio with us on the couch. He did not want to do it. How'd you get him to do it? I just said, hey, "Man, could we please?" He goes, "Yeah, I'll do it." And he gets done. He goes. I am really glad I did that. I am really. He told me all kinds of things. I think we talked about barbecuing. 
Uh, Bruce Bruce is another guy that didn't want to do it, and that's that comedian Bruce. You Bruce. got big Bruce, big ass to do that. You see us sitting on that couch yeah. together, huh? You I know see Bruce it? Bruce. Find find that video somewhere, and uh, that was that was some of the better stuff I've ever done. Oh my god, I can't believe you sat with Bruce Bruce. Yeah, the, I know Bruce and, but I got Bruce. frustrated because if that had happened today, if we were doing that today, we'd be all over TikTok. Because yeah. it was a perfect setup for TikTok, but it was before all of that. It was before. It was ten years ago. It was twelve years ago, and people oh. weren't even thinking that way. We were ahead of ourselves. We had, we did the website, but we didn't figure out a way to make it huge. It's interesting how like we're now evolving to a new yeah. different media yeah. type. Yeah. Like I always say, that TikTok is the new age channel surfing. It is. You keep going, going, and then you'll find an account you like, and then boom. And I love how they start using marketing into TikTok. Yeah, me too. I I, I know some people don't like it. And some people are nervous because of the ownership of a Chinese company and all that stuff. I recognize all of that. To me, it's highly entertaining. And it also is a great source of information for me for the radio show. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get stuff off there all the time that I talk about. There's a about lot of political show. stuff on there. Right. Well, I don't even talk about that. I'm talking more like, let me think, lately. Um, it's where I first saw the mashup song of an AI using Johnny Cash singing the Barbie song. Oh, Did yeah. you see that? Yeah. I saw That's Frank right. Sinatra doing yeah. a Big Papa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Elvis did uh, Baby Got Back. Uh, that's where I first saw them. In, it was on TikTok. And then I, <laughs> you know, incorporated that in the show and stuff. But I, I, it is a new world for all of that. And I don't feel really hip to knowing exactly how to do it, to be honest with you. But it's interesting because I feel like Peoria in general yeah. is about five to six years behind major markets. A little bit. When yeah. it comes to things. Yeah, when it comes to stuff like that. So it always I, has been. I don't feel like TikTok is that prevalent here. Although no, I, I agree. There's that one lady, Angie, I forgot what her last Angie name o. is. Yes, yes. Where she started to make TikTok a big thing here in Peoria. Right. And she's doing a lot of uh, transplant. People right. coming LGBTQ+. Plus. Um, and she's doing a lot of amazing content for Peoria. Yeah. And have you guys had her on the show yet? Yeah, a couple times. Uh, did you see her? They, they did a piece on her in the New York Times. You yeah. 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 I've been trying to get her to do the pod. I'm like, oh, Angie, dude. come on. What, she won't come over and do the podcast? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think she. I think she's left me on unread. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to do. Is, remember I said I'm a people pleaser? Yeah. I, I, I'm calling her right after this. <laughs> <laughs> like, Tell, I would love. Ross I, needs to have you on the show. And the thing like I love about this podcast that, you know, God bless uh, Scott Wheeler for allowing me to do all this is I'm, he's really just letting me kind of be and collect stories of Peoria. There's so many different people, different perspectives, transplants, oh, people who have been there for years. It's a million. You'll never, you'll never be done because it's so rich. This whole area has got so many cool cats, man. It's great. It is. So let me ask you this: as somebody who is, I'm working on year two now. In a- April, it'll be two years. Mm-hmm. What are some things about this community that you absolutely just like have fallen in love with throughout, throughout the years? Well, I truly believe this, and I think sometimes people think that when they when somebody says this, that it's fake. I believe that this community is the most generous community in the country. We give so much to so many. Mm-hmm. It's, it's incredible. And I think I've verified it through my career of just talking to people who are not from here. I had a guy stop me not long ago. I was emceeing an event for a group called Family Corps. And Family Corps does a Kentucky Derby party. I'm oh. the MC and the host of that day. Some guy came up to me, talked to me. He goes, I've only lived here a couple of years, Greg. He was my age, maybe a little younger. And he said, I'm not kidding you. I, I, I have never seen. He goes, I'm around a lot of things. 
They have never seen a community like, not just Peoria, but the whole central Illinois. They give so much money to people. And so that's one I'm really, really proud of. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really proud of. I mean, look at the backpack thing that just happened oh. uh, between, I think there's six different organizations yeah, yeah, that have that raised that. more than like 2,000 backpacks in like a oh, summer. Yeah, that might even be shy. It might be more than that, or way more than more. that. Because yeah. you have uh, yeah, Dream Center. You've got Fill the backpack or yeah, fill the fire truck. The fire people, the firemen do it. And then you have so many... Uh, like Gift of Hope was doing things with uh, Methodists and so many things happening. Man. Yeah, no, I'm starting to see constant. it all. It's constant. That's that's probably my biggest one. And I also think that uh, Peoria, we have problems. Everybody's got problems. Oh yeah. Peoria, and again, I'm saying Peoria meaning Central Illinois. I, uh, as a man who is in a interracial marriage, I have biracial children. I see the world that sometimes uh, are, uh, the big world. There's a lot of talk about things like that, racially charged things. I've never had any trouble. Hmm. And I, I, I think that's cool. I've I, only had three instances since I moved here. But all three are kind of amusing in different ways. Yeah. Somebody thought I was fluffy. Gabriel Iglesias. Nice. <laughs> so I tell you, there's somewhere that's on Facebook. There's somewhere on Facebook. There's a picture of me and an elderly white couple that think I'm fluffy. And I find that Dude, hysterical. that is hysterical. <laughs> and he, because he comes to Peoria a lot, by the way. He loves Peoria. He I reached out. I'm trying to get an interview with him when he comes to town. Uh, yeah. If I could land that, I'd yeah. head over heels, man. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Yeah, he's, he's a good dude. Um, I did have somebody call me a spick once. Really? Out of anger. And I just, it was a homeless guy asking for money. Really? Didn't give him one. Called me that. Yeah. And it just, and then somebody else like, no offense, but I love Cinco de Mayo. And I was like, I don't even know how to respond to this. <laughs> no offense. No offense. That's fine. And I'm not going to say, I want to say this. I'm not going to no say. No matter where you go, yeah. you're going to have to. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that there haven't been some like awkward moments or something, but nobody's ever come up to my face. And called me a name because I'm married to who I'm married to or anything like that. Uh, occasionally, you'll feel a, a feeling about something. I'm yeah. not saying that. But what I'm trying to do is compliment our community in that I think, generally speaking, we do a pretty good job with that. We have we our have. pockets, but we do a pretty good job with that. No, I mean, I was at uh, Fiesta in Rio when yeah. we were doing that. And I'll tell you, when I went in, preconceived notions, mm-hmm. being an outsider that's still kind of understand the community i thought it was gonna be nothing but latinos yeah. nope oh black no, brown no. white everybody no no, no absolutely peoria came out yeah, sofas yeah. peoria so came I out i would agree i'm starting to see all these charity organizations and it's everybody's out the community and i think that's the thing i've fallen in love the most yeah. that i'm like okay i can see myself here for five plus years you know what it could be it also could be and i don't mean this to be a negative but it could be we all collectively have a drinking problem it could be that we like going out and having a few beers or whatever. It's possible. Whatever. It this is a whiskey town. We grew up. We a lot of us grew up around whiskey stuff. So, you know, that could be it. I don't know. I. You know what? Hey, whatever brings us together, yeah. I'm happy for it, man. <laughs> so let's transition to your stand-up. How long have you been doing stand-up now? Uh, about ten years, nine years, ten years. I did it uh, the first. I've always wanted to do it. I don't think it's really far a step from what I do on the radio. It's telling stories and funny stories or whatever. And uh, Dan Conlon is the man that owns the Jukebox Comedy Club on Farmington Road. A number of years ago, there was a tornado that wiped out a lot of houses in Washington, Illinois, nearby. And one of our mutual friends, uh, uh, Joey, who used to work in the radio business, lost his house. And I suggested to Dan Conlon at the Jukebox, I said, we should do a fundraiser for Joey. 
He goes, well, yes, we'll do that together, but you have to do 10 minutes because I know you've always wanted. And here's one a thing to know about me. If you, if you challenge me like that, I'll do it. Yeah. Right. And I need that sometimes. I need that kind of push sometimes. And I was people pleasing because I was helping raise money for my buddy Joey. Right. So that was the first night. And immediately I was like, yeah, I got to keep doing this because I really like it. I, uh, and so I've been doing it. I don't do it a lot. Uh, when, at, at the at the height of what I was doing, maybe once a month or twice a month or something, somewhere. Well, you would have somewhere. a show and you're the name Bill on it. What's that? I remember when I first moved here, you had a show and your name was Bill at the top. Well, what you might have seen is something I spun off last year called My Life in Boxes. Yes. Okay. So here's what happened. I did the stand-up thing for a long time. Traditional stuff. Some private parties, private things, private things. And that's all good. It's all fine. But I started getting a little burnout, and, and I, I was like, uh, I don't. Something's not clicking for me. I don't. I'm not young, and you know, if I was 23 and doing it, I'd have a whole different feeling. But you know, I'm, I got a life and a family, and all that stuff. I can't be running around making ten dollars to do this stuff. So, I've been sitting on an idea for a long time. The idea, the show, ended up being my life in boxes, which has now changed to life in boxes, and this the the crux of it is this. I am a guy that if you were to come to my house today for dinner, hey, Ross, come over for dinner, I'd be like, oh, crap, there's a whole bunch of stuff on the dining room table. <laughs> I would grab it all, stick it in a box, put it on a shelf, either in the basement or the garage, and I wouldn't look at it again. I wouldn't look at it again. <laughs> I do and that. it dawned on me one time. I was like, I go down in the basement. My life is in all these boxes. Sometimes I haven't looked in those boxes for years. And I thought, what if I do a show about that? And so here's the concept of the show. You see me on stage surrounded by about 100 boxes. 30 of those boxes have numbers on them. Mm -hmm. Every one of those numbered boxes have something in it around which I have a story. The audience picks the number. I don't know what box will come up in what order. And we're never going to get to all 30 boxes. It's a 90-minute show. There's a, there's a video feed uh, a component of this that shows you some things beyond what's in the box. And I have stories around every item in that box. Most of them are funny. It's not entirely comedy. Some of them are sad because you know what? Part of your life's sad. We've got sad stuff in our lives. Of course. And so I, I'm, I'm willing to tell you those stories. When I, It's very rare when you dream about something for 10 years and then you do it that it works. The minute I got done with that, I'm like, that's exactly what I wanted that to be. That's exactly what I wanted. So that you scratch that itch. And so, yes. And now I've done it about six, seven, eight times, something like that. I had, I have taken a little hiatus, uh, for various reasons. And I am on the cusp as we sit here today on August 8th, it is, or 9th, whatever it is. I'm about to rekindle all of that and start it back up again. I'm not going to tell you all the details of that, but it's coming this fall. Ah. And what I learned, by the way, at first it was my life in boxes because those were all my stories. But after that first show, I realized from comments from the people in the audience that people come up to me and go, man, I, I sat there the whole show thinking, what would I have in my box? What stories would I pull out? And, oh, that story you told about your grandpa. I have a story like that with my grandpa. And pretty soon I realized, well, we all have our life in boxes. And most stories have some universal nature to them. And like you and I have just discovered today, we have a lot of things in common. <laughs> and, and, and so I changed the name of it from the suggestion of a friend of mine, Andy, to Life in Boxes. Because it's just life. And here's a little nugget. I am working on 
taking that throughout the Midwest. I don't want to just do it here in Peoria. Uh -huh. And I have, a, I have a friend of mine who's willing to partner up with me to help me make that happen. How does it feel to kind of elevate to this point? Or it's like scary. go through a transition? And here's the thing. Here's the thing. I haven't done something to scare myself in a long time. And that's how I am better. I'm a better man when I do something. Like the first day I did comedy on that stage all those years ago to help my friend Joey at the Jude Box. I did that to scare myself. I think we all need to scare ourselves once in a while. And you get used to the same stuff all the time, <laughs> and you get in a in a rut. And I feel that itch. I will say it's harder as I get older to let myself do that. Because it was because it's easier to just, I, I can convince myself I don't need to. I, I've done it. You know, I've done it. I, you know, I don't need X, Y, Z from it. I get it yeah, from this. I, I, yeah, I, I don't need to do that. It's unnecessary. But it's not. It is necessary. It is not necessary. It is necessary. Because as a human, at least for me, if I'm not trying to do something different or do something better or do something in a different way, then I get mad. Yeah. I draw a lot of parallels with you. It, it's, yeah. The more we talk, the more I'm like, okay. Again, I think we might be related. You might be my son. Are you my son? Oh, my God. That's, wouldn't that be weird? How old that'd are you? be kind of cool. How old are you? 33? Yeah, you, you could be my son. He's, yes. I got two kids older than Do you. Uh, I got two kids older than you. Do you have a will? You're going to leave me? <laughs> you don't want to see that, brother. <laughs> you don't want to see that. Just leave me all your tech. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave you a bunch of carts from the old radio days. Oh, yeah. imagine. Yeah. I think I was the last generation that actually uh, was uh, cutting carts up or like really? uh, spikes nice. and tape. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting about this end of the month, I'm getting asked to do uh, like 10 minute bit. Somebody's coming to town, um, Baby Orchata. I do not no. know who that is. Comic from uh, Romanville, Juliet area. Hysterical. Um, and you going to do 10 minutes? That's what I'm in talks to right now, see if we can pull it off. What do you mean we can pull it off? What's the holdup? Same thing. Like, I'm... I'm no, just right... Because remember when I first came to town, I asked you because I did it in Chicago. But then I've kind of been a little a trepidatious about getting back into it. And I'm trying to find... Oh, I understand that part. You know what yeah. I mean? So... Yeah. So you've done it before. Yes. Oh, okay. So I used to travel as a motivational stand-up comic for mm -hmm. about four years. I'll tell the story of my life, kind of like life in boxes, but from sure. immigrant parents to... Um, I take people up this entire story, and then I hit them with a hammer... When my grandma passed away, mm -hmm. and it's a very sad moment. And at that point, I've drawn you in, mm -hmm. and you're feeling the emotion with me. But then as you're all the way down here with a gut wrench of me on verge of tears, because it's still a hard story to tell when I'm on stage, I drop this very dumb joke, and it breaks attention, and it brings me right back up. Whereas I remember laying on the couch waiting to hear if my grandma passed because she was in Mexico. She wanted to die over there. Uh, my mom took her down there, and we got the phone call early in the morning. And they told my dad, and my dad had to tell us. And I was sleeping on the on the couch in the front room instead of my room, and he just, he kicks the couch. Your grandma passed away. I'm going to work. Lunch is on the table. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yo, dad, what are you doing? It's like, oh, by the way, do you need some money for the day? <laughs> like, I'm like, wow. I'm like, you know, it's just, it's very, it's very traumatic. And then that turns into my dad comes home with a pizza and says, all right, we're going to eat our emotions. And it's just one of those very raw moments where I use it for stand-up. It's good, man. It's good stuff. It'll get there. It's something I got to workshop a little bit more, but uh, it's been a while since I told it. And I just love being on stage. Well, get back out there. I know. Go. But it's the, 
the anxiety of failing at something I'm very much passionate about. Of failing at something, is that what you said? Yes, yeah. failing something that I'm very yeah. passionate about. Let me about. tell you a real quick story to, in that department. So I took all of last year, 2022, off of doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. I just told everybody that asked me, I'm not doing it this year. I was working on the boxes thing. There were other reasons I didn't want to do it. This past February, my friend Chris Spire, who runs Mason City Limits Comedy Club down in Mason City, which is a cool place if you ever get a chance to go, he asked me if I'd headline. And I was like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. And I got super cocky, and I went down there, and I didn't get ready enough. I did. I wasn't ready enough. I have, I thought to myself, well, I got all these stories. I got all this stuff. I don't really need You can it. wing it. I, not, yeah, it was, it was a little bit better prepared than winging it, but it wasn't prepared prepared, right? Mm-hmm. And so I got halfway through that set, and I'm like, this is bad. I hated all of it. And my wife could see it on my face. And she, when we were walking to the car, she goes, how'd you feel? I said, not my best. And she goes, yeah, I'd agree with that. But now Chris, the owner of the club, he goes, no, it was fine. Everybody enjoyed it. Like, not for me. I, I, I know what the feeling is of doing it right and the feeling of not doing it right. And that didn't feel right. And it was on, that was on me. I didn't get ready fast enough. I didn't get ready for it. You ever bomb? Have you bombed yet? That was close. Uh, yeah, I bombed a couple of times. I did a really weird one, if I can share that with you. Yeah. We, do we have a time clock on this thing, or we just go? We're just going. Because you, you just don't even care. You just keep talking, man. I just I don't keep know talking. What's going on. We're an hour in. Are we really? Yeah. It runs pretty smooth when you have I a opened, conversation. I opened. I got, this is a weird one. Like you opening for that gentleman you mentioned a minute ago. Bill Bellamy. Do you know who Bill Bellamy <laughs> yes. is? Yes. Okay. So Bill Bellamy is going to be at the Peoria Civic Center Theater. There's a woman that was opening for, uh, was going to be his uh, feature. And they needed an opener. For some damn reason, I have no idea why, I was asked to be the opener. For Bill Bellamy? Yeah, for Bill Bellamy. Yeah. <laughs> and so so he didn't sell well. That's the first part of this story. Only sold about 400 tickets. Mm. That theater holds 2,200. They didn't group everybody together. So everybody's in little pockets all over the dang place. It's terrible. And I go out there. I think I'm doing okay. I, I actually do think I'm doing okay. But then I'm about to wrap up, and I hear somebody whispering behind me from the curtain, keep going. She's not here yet. This woman, this young lady, whoever the the second person, the feature act was going to be, wasn't there yet. So now I'm a little panicking because I had planned on the 10 minutes. You got right? your set list. You yeah, know yeah, what you're yeah 10 minutes is not very long. And so now I was like, okay. So now I'm starting to pull from crap, a little panicky mode. That was stressful. I don't think it was a bomb bomb, but it was it was there were some explosions. And that and so what and what really torqued me was the woman was here. She was in her car having a fight with her boyfriend. And in the most unprofessional thing I've ever witnessed, she stayed out in that car and put me on the spot and then came out and did her thing when she was damn well ready. And and, and that really Damn. That disrespect, not just for me, but for the room, for the for Bill, for the 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 audience, that you shouldn't even be in this business if that's what you're doing. This is a show. Yeah. This is show business, not screw around business. You know what I mean? So anyway, uh, uh, that was. I think if anybody that saw that, they probably thought it was okay. But you know, it, there, it, is it? I have an interesting perspective when it comes to what we do as entertainers. Mm-hmm. As much as it is. Uh, 
a lot about who we are. Like, especially you and myself, we give a lot of who yeah. we are. Yeah. We, we're not really reserved with a lot of stories, a lot of just us. But at the same point, it's not about us. Right. It's about our audience. It's right. how we make them feel. Right. And I think a lot of time, a lot of people that get into the entertainment field get that twisted. Where it's all about them, and it's all about how I feel, what I want to do, I agree. blah, blah, blah. And I, I I'll tell you this. This sounds bad, and if any of my comedian friends are listening, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> Unless you feel it. <laughs> I have. That's one of the reasons I took a break from comedy. There are too many in that field to me that it is so about them mm -hmm. that it wore me out. It wore me out. I did that energy was sucking the life out of me, and, and I'm because I'm not that guy. I I want it to be about. I want to be funny and I want to get a laugh, but I don't want to do it uh, because I deserve it. I want to do it because I've said something you've never thought of before, or a thought that you've never had before, or um, uh, a, a quick take on something that just you know catches you off guard, kind of thing. Not because hey, uh, I'm more important than you. I'm up on this stage. You know, I, I've never felt that way. It's interesting because yeah. I, I do feel the same whenever yeah. I work with entertainers that are just, it's my time. It's my blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's, you know who I think you mentioned earlier? Iglesias? Gabriel. Is it Iglesias? Yeah. Yeah, Gabriel. Um, I think he is one of those genuine guys. And I know this because I have a friend of mine who's a good, pretty good friend of his. And he, that dude cares about people. He cares about stuff. He's hysterical. There's, I mean, the, 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 his talent is ridiculous. But he's doing it from a place of kindness. He's, he's a kind man. You who, can tell. Who, yeah, he gives a damn. He gives a damn. And people who don't give a damn, I don't have a lot of time for. It's hard yeah. because it is show business. You have to work yeah. with individuals that have, I don't even know why that's ringing. Probably uh, WMBD phone. Ah, it is the WMBD phone. Is it really? <laughs> Yeah. It says WMBD on it. Why do you have a phone that says WMBD on it? It's on there. I don't know. Because uh, it's radio. We repurpose things. <laughs> oh, it just says it on the phone. Yeah. I got it. I no, got it's it. not a for real WMBD yeah, call. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's show business. Like how you have to work with individuals that have different personalities. Throughout oh, yeah. the years, how have you managed that? Because it has burnt you down, would you admit it? Well, it has got. Are you talking about show business out. personalities or just in Just general? in general. Because I feel like a lot of individuals get into work environments without understanding that there are a lot of individuals with different personalities, with yeah. different viewpoints. Different I, I, I think from an interviewer standpoint and show host standpoint, I have gotten if, if I'm I'm pretty proud of this. I, I can I can manipulate. I'm not manipulating the person. I'm manipulating the energy that they're giving me. Hmm. And so some people come in to do an interview on the radio. They're they're real nervous. They're really nervous. I'm pretty good at making that go away. Or if I see them faltering, I am not going to let them falter. I will take care of that. I will come up behind them and underneath them and around them and, and put some love on them and, and take care of it. I, I, I want people to leave the radio studio after a live interview thinking, oh, that was fun. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's a, him and Dan are nice. They're kind. They would, I'm never out to get anybody, right? And so, so I recognize that. I mean, we'll interview, you know, 12 to 15 people a week in our show in some way or another. You got, they're all not going to be great. They're all not going to be prepared. They're not all going to not be nervous. So you got to recognize all of that. When it comes to the celebrity stuff, it took me a long time to figure out some things with that. 
Bobcat Goldthwaite. Do you remember Bobcat? He was in our mm-hmm. studio the first time a number of years ago, and I got real nervous about that because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know that if that character that he plays, that loud, screaming character from Police Academy movies and mm-hmm. all that stuff, was who I was going to talk to. Or you're going to so get the kayfabe version I, I, of I didn't yeah. know what was going to happen, so we started the interview. I was sweating it, man. He started that voice and that guy. He did it for about 12 seconds. Anyway, I was just kidding you. You can call me Bob. Ha! One of the kindest, most interesting men I know. Really, really nice. Uh, just a lesson for me to to not anticipate too much, right? Uh, Pauly Shore, famous comedian. Here's a story from Pauly comes to town a few years ago. The first time he comes in, he was a complete ass. He had brought one of his other comedian friends with him. And Pauly referred all the answers to the questions we asked him to that guy. And he looked at his phone the whole time. He was texting and doing all kinds of things. He was a jerk. He was an absolute jerk. Oh, he big times you. And I t- yeah, we big times, yeah. And I told the man that brought him in, Mr. Conlin from the jukebox, I said, I will never have him on again. Ever. Huh. And so a couple of years later he come back, he comes back. I'm asked to do it. Nope. Really? Nope. Won't do it. Next time, nope. Third time. Now we're like six or seven years past the original moment, right? Dan Conlon says to me, hey, he he's really sorry. He's really sorry. Will you put him on? And I said, I'll think about it. And then Paulie sends me a video personally to me. And it's, and it's like this. Greg. Hey, buddy. Hey, Greg. Buddy. <laughs> it was so charming, man. I can't do his voice, but you know what I'm talking about. And he goes, I'm so sorry. He goes, I was in a bad place in my life. Uh, I hope you'll consider having me back. And we had him back, and it was fantastic. He he was real real. He said he was having a drug problem and a family problem, and he was a jerk, and he apologized. That's be- a man. That's a big man. Do you believe with an authentic apology, any built any burnt bridge could be rebuilt? Eventually, yeah, I do. Hmm. I do. Uh, I have that. I think. What's best for business is a decision I would always make. Yeah. But it's kind of hard sometimes when you put the, yeah, we're individuals at yeah, the end yeah, of the day. Yeah. We're entertainers, but we do have that instance where like, hey, you stepped on my pride a little bit. Yeah. How do you manage that a lot throughout your career? I try not to carry grudges. Uh, I carry a few. <laughs> I have a few. I have a few. I won't name them today. Oh, I won't ask but you. I, but, I I have a few, but I have a few people that um, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with that. They burnt it good enough. They burned it good enough, and and they've tried to apologize, but even the apology is not enough at the moment. So, and maybe that'll change as I get a little older. That gets less important, uh, and and such. The uh, I was trying to think. There's another one I wanted to tell you about interview wise that I just the the personality. I, what I love is when somebody comes in, especially a famous person, that comes in, and this is one of a million interviews they've done. Right? They they, they do them every day, and if a person can. And at the end of it, go, well, that was, uh, I'm sorry that I had a bad feeling about this. This was really fun. That makes that. me so happy. That makes me so happy. And there's been, there's been a lot of those over the years. You know? I love when um, you interview somebody who's in character, but then you get those moments where they break right, the character right. in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, I had AJ Styles, pro wrestler in the yeah, WWE. Yeah, I know that is. Yeah. Favorite wrestler. Yeah. I love them. And throughout the interview, 
I saw him break kayfabe, and he just really <laughs> authentic him. And then Lacey Evans was another pro wrestler at WWE, yeah. and she came in the studio, and she had the full hat on, her entire wardrobe. And there were moments where she was, you could tell the voice was her authentic voice. And at the end of it, she gave me a hug, like, thank you so much. And I remember feeling that, like, okay, the people pleaser in me is like, okay, I made her happy. Yeah, yeah. We got good content. Well, and that's the thing. Uh, the, the, when it gets down to anything that any of us do, whether we're in this business or some other business, it's just about connecting with another human being in a real way. We get so busy and so tied up and everything that we forget about that. We forget about being honest and genuine and graceful. Uh, uh, my wife and I, the word grace means a lot to us in our family. Hmm. Do it with grace. Don't be a, don't be a jerk about stuff. Don't be a bully about stuff. Yeah, just do give. It with, do it with grace. Give yourself, and you'll get something back. I'll tell you, the the times in my life where I bought angry just said, hey, okay, cool, I'll help you out. Mm -hmm. Without expecting anything. Yeah. Things I would get in return without even knowing it years later. Yeah. Like somebody remembers, hey, he did that for me. Yeah. But it's then the it also thing. goes the other way. <laughs> it does. It, no, it does. And and, and 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 it's why we're here. That's a, that's what I believe. It's why we're here. So let me ask you two last questions. Uh, first question is business. Anybody yeah. wants to get in contact with you or tune into your show, how can it go about it? Best way. Okay, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a rant. Let's go. Okay. The best way to get a hold of me is email. Greg.Batten, B-A-T-T-O-N, at 1470WMBD.com. The worst way to get a hold of me is through Facebook Messenger. <laughs> I cannot tell you how that bothers me. Uh, and, and what I'm really talking about is professionally. Mm. That is the worst place to ask me to for an interview or something like that because I have no mechanism by which to do anything with it. If it comes in an email, we have a system here, we have a producer, we have a, a thing that works. I have it over, now it's over here. Ah, oh, gosh darn it, now what do I do? I know I can copy and paste and do all that stuff, but it's awkward. I just went through my Facebook Messenger messages last night. I never I hadn't, dude, I, had, I used to look at them every day and I hadn't looked at them in weeks. I had a million of them in there and, and they're friends of mine and nothing terrible that would, was hanging, you know, that needed to be done that day or whatever. But it, I just don't think it's an effective way to get a hold of people. I really mm. don't, especially not in a business way. So, yeah, the, the email is fine. And you can go to 1470WMBD.com, click on my name, and you'll see that way to get that, too. I lied. One more question before the last question. Yeah. Uh, his name's come up a bunch of times in the interview, yeah. and I have a lot of love for this guy. Who is it? Caleb. Caleb Talk Kelch to me is, about this Caleb guy. Kelch is our producer. Uh, when you do a talk show like we do, you, we need we'll always need to have somebody. He's our fourth in the 18th year, Jess or uh, Jeff, Jessica, uh, Corey, and Caleb. And Caleb's been with us for a couple of years. He is a gem. He is a really kind man. He is the most organized guy I've ever worked with. I've seen his notepads to the point it's <laughs> it's it's crazy good. And so, like, he was on vacation. Actually, he wasn't on vacation. He was running the Memphis to Peoria St. Jude run last week. But He, was he don't take time me. off. <laughs> no. And and the amount of stuff he left me organized, like, here's what's happening on Monday, Greg. Here's what's happening on Tuesday. Because he knows I depend on that during the regular week that he took care of it even while he was gone. He, he, is a, he is a rock star. He is a rock star human. 
and really good at this business. Yeah. I love to give people credit where credit's yeah, due. No, and I remember great. when I first started here, that man was been short of amazing to yeah, me. Yeah, no, he's great. And it's just awesome to see how well you guys take care of him, too. Well, and here's the thing. you got to trust each other. Mm-hmm. And I trust that he has my back. Oh, he because does the there, same. Because there's some stuff that can happen during a show. Uh, I don't know. I can't explain all to you, but the, there are things that can happen. I was like, I need your help. Help. Look at me. My eyeballs are big. Help me. Come help me. And he knows exactly what's going on, and he'll do that. Yeah, It's nice to have that. What's the greatest quality he has? Kindness. He does. He has yeah. a very kind yeah. self. No, he, he's a really kind guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always like to give uh, credit where credit is due with that. Yeah. And That's Caleb, cool. Thank he's, you for doing he's that. been amazing, man. Yeah. And he sings your praises. Every time I have That's questions, nice. I pay like, him five dollars for every time he does it. <laughs> All right, last question for you, Greg. Anybody that sits in this chair, I always like to ask him. Okay, uh, this is your story. At the end of it, what's the gold nugget you want people to take away from it? What's something you want to be remembered for when your story is all said and done? He made a difference. That's it. I'm going to leave it there. It's been another episode of the KZ Community Beat. I'm your host, Ross Martinez, in the hot seat this week. Greg Badden, co-host of the WMBD Morning Show. Go check him out, 1470 uh, WMBD. Or what's the AM? You got your 1470 on the AM side. You got your 100.3 over there on the FM side. And then if you would like to download the WMBD radio app and take us with you anywhere you go in the world, you can do that. He's what we call a professional. Go back, listen to the other episodes, or I will not invite you out to our comedy night. All right, (laughs) bye.